0: The title of this morning's Dharma Talk is Production Reception. The idea there is to, that being a topic, is to give me a chance to talk a little bit about the way those apply to our practice and to consciousness and to our life for that matter. I'm sure you've noticed we're always producing something, producing thoughts, producing ideas, producing opinions, judgments, evaluations, building this, tearing this down. We're doing, doing, doing constantly. And then the awareness or the reception part kind of tags along and you might be on uh, receive a little bit, but it's usually with some kind of goal or some kind of orientation, some kind of materialism uh, idea about it. And it's, it's not wrong. We're not, Trying to get you to no longer have any uh, plans or uh, agendas about anything. It is about the awareness of that. So, production. So this is what sitting practice of meditation, what we're doing is we're uh, approaching or um, uh, simulating uh, being a receiver. We're sitting down and we're endeavoring to just receive. Quite often, there's just a lot of production goes on there too. About this, about that. I should, I shouldn't. I don't shouldn't feel this way. I should feel some other way. Why am I worrying about this? On and on and on. We're constantly whatever occurs, we make up stuff. And this is uh, the teaching in the Lankavatara Sutra. It talks about this as the five dharmas. Something arises, we name it, and then we have opinions and ideas about it. And then if we if we do nothing else, if, we, if you just see that, then uh, the other two parts of the five, those five dharmas are uh, suchness and Buddha knowledge. So the suchness could be, uh, could come, uh, the Buddha knowledge could come first, almost as a conceptual idea that everything is dependently arisen. You start to actually see dependent origination. It's no longer some kind of idea about it. You actually see it, smell it, taste it, touch it, feel it, hear it all the time. And when that begins to occur, as if it were an occurrence, kind uh, of get used to it. It doesn't go away and it doesn't need any maintenance. So the goal here is to see clearly what, what is this rather than settle for some kind of temporary or uh, modified uh, structure or goal or opinion or uh, program. This is even true, even in Buddhism, there, there's a lots of programs about how to do this, how to do that, how to train the mind. Not wrong, just agendas. If you're listening to me, then you'll know that I keep it very simple. Although we study a whole lot of different texts, uh, my recommendation is find out who you are. Find out what this is and how do you do that? You look at it. You have to actually look at it. So the production idea is what tends to get in the way. If you do too much of just producing things based on your passion, aggression, ignorance, your desire for something else, your desire to have more of something, your desire to have less of something, or your desire to just not be bothered with it. Just go somewhere else, do something else. Don't bother me. Have other things to do. And so it seems like the beginning of that is to actually be aware that we're doing that. It's not about stopping that. Don't misunderstand. I'm not, trying to necessarily suggest that you should stop thinking or stop having opinions or stop or start to do anything. The only thing I'm asking you to do, to do suggesting that you do, find a cushion, find a chair, sit down, hold still and watch. You don't have to be a Buddhist. I think it helps to do this because it's an ancient teaching that talks about this constantly from countless different directions. Just read, read half a dozen sutras and you'll probably explode. <laughs> It's just complicated. And, and there are many, many really highly erudite is the fancy word, intelligent human beings that have looked at these teachings and they bring their, uh, insight, their intelligence to this. As Vasubandhu did in the fourth century and, Asanga uh, a Sangha <clears throat> looked at what the Buddha said and then, uh, Modified some of the way in which uh, dependent origination is talked about. So the production part is actually watching what's moving, watching what's happening, and your own mind is producing things other people are doing, standing, sitting, lying down, fixing food, washing dishes, going to the store, building an empire, destroying an empire. It's just, it's busy, real busy. So what you're doing as an individual, sometimes people say, uh, sometimes people get magnetized by the world and wants, shouldn't I go out there and help or serve or do something? Shouldn't I go out and join this or join that or join this movement or that? Maybe, but let's look at the production first. And how do we do that? Reception, practice receiving, practice doing nothing but just a, if you have sense fields and you have sense organs and then there's going to be objects that are going to rise. Sounds, smells, taste. You, you guys know, know about this. I could run through them if you dropped off the deep end somewhere. And if you drop off the deep end, be aware of it. Don't climb out of that. Don't climb out of anything, please. Actually. That's anything that happens to you, no matter how intense or painful or horrible or just even disgusting, it's probably a dharma gate, or at least if it isn't some kind of a dharma gate, you can change it into one by looking at it. Run away from anything, don't run towards anything. So rather than run off and be magnetized into some kind of a a movement to do this or that, because the world is coming uh, into some kind of chaos, which of course it is, don't take your eyes off on that. <clears throat> but also don't take your eyes off the wall. Become become a wall gazer, at least part of the time. Spend a little bit of you have twenty-four hours. I think that's what they add up to, isn't it? Twenty-four? Isn't it twenty-four-seven? Yeah, meditate twenty-four-seven. <laughs> oh no, it's the other way around. Sit for a couple of hours and then twenty-two seven you can spend some time sit down hold still just observe and it, it'll if you do that enough you'll see that it's never it's never the same it's always some different there's always a contrast between this and you'll if you do it enough you'll notice that you you feel like you get better and you feel like you get worse and you feel like you get better and you feel like you get worse what is this it's awareness join nothing don't don't reaffirm don't vote for anything well, the other kind of voting, of course, you should vote, but in your own consciousness, in your own little universe, don't oppose, don't uh, agree, don't look away. And in this way, the, the awareness is allowed to uh, go back to its true nature, which is uh, ultimate nature, ultimate. It just looks like there's individuals. It's, it's quite a, quite a strong illusion. We each get birthdays and some people can grow fingernails and some people chew them off. It's just right and wrong is beside the point. So look at the bureaucracy, the the intense uh, dictatorship and paranoia that is the self-centeredness of the ego. It's it's intense and uh, we can pacify it somewhat. There are practices of meditation that actually can kind of cover it up that are meant to help you, but they tend to do more covering up than they do revealing. This is why some of the tantric traditions of uh, creation completion or visualizing a deity and so on are used because the the ego mind is so rooted in that we need some kind of uh, heavy equipment, which is what tantric Buddhism is, to come in and go right into that with Everything that the ego uses to reinforce itself which are forms, sound smells, taste touch all the elements all the all the, the power of the ego is turned around and transmuted into uh, wisdom that takes a while what value has the ego what value has the ego? That's a hard question what value has no ego? You can write that down. <laughs> So it's a, you know, it's, it's not, it's a valid question, but it's like, what value, and we, there's just so much chatter. Uh, if I were a scholar, maybe I could res- respond to you in some kind of intelligent way about that conceptually, but I think it's, uh, rather than to find out what value it has, not that you couldn't, you couldn't go there, but I think it'd be better to find out, what is that? Is there, is there someone there? Is there a solid something, but uh, Rinpoche, my teacher, uh, called it a paranoid insurance policy. It's just an aspect of consciousness that that wants control and wants to be protected and doesn't want to be harmed. And and it, and it gets identified with this body uh, situation. We begin to think that we are somebody. There's it's not that there isn't something here. It's just that it's not separate, not separate from anyone, anywhere. Separated, just like uh, I was just talking about earlier. The the Never get confused by which is the thumb and which is the little finger. They're not jealous of each other. They have their function, and they understand boundaries deeply, innately, intuitively. Boundaries here, there's no, this is why it says in the teachings, don't set up standards. Train your mind and find out what this is. You won't need a standard because everything will be situational. You'll know exactly, without thinking about it, when to move forward, when to move back, when to hold still. Relative, without harming anyone, including yourself basically just called uh, equanimity or balance, fundamental balance that is already the case. So to use that ego, what, the question, what is the ego? It's, it's a, an aspect of consciousness that because of dependent origination, because of the incredible creativity that is happening, look outside, look, look in here, it's just how did this all come about? You try to look for a source; it's just it's it's uh, buried in independent origination causes and conditions that have, keep coming together that are unsearchable, uncountable. So, part of the nature of the apparent relative world is the whole plus and minus. Some things are very hot; some things are very cold. Some people, some things are spinning around and and off balance, and some things are very. Uh, Imperturbable and are and totally at rest in the peace. We tend to buy into that with our sense fields and with our thinking process and our and our imputation that there is someone who needs protection. And this comes if you, if we went back, uh, you know, fifty thousand years or something, to when human beings were first kind of coming out of the where do they come out of? Yeah. Where do they come from? Swamp. The swamp. Oh, but they come out of some kind of, uh, call it evolution or whatever, not here to talk about that, but, but something, uh, that's here now has uh, has a process of uh, dependency on other things for its apparent, um, separation. So just the, the very intelligence that is, uh, so powerful, uh, is in a situation where it's just like someone who is creating anything creating a pot or making a painting or writing a story you know you're because you're you're involved in the process of production of something that production uh, doesn't uh, the idea is not to abandon the reception part of it we talked about earlier you need to be receiving what's happening Rather than, rather than adding on to what's happening, more production, this happens, that falls apart. Instead of receiving what's happening, we, we produce more. We have opinions, ideas, concepts because there's, a, there's an imputed self-centeredness that needs protection, that if this is a failure, then somehow that reflects on, uh, I'm a bad person and need to get my manure together. In terms of human, is ego necessary for production to produce something? It seems there need to be, uh, what happens is there's nothing uh, incorrect about it particularly. It just is overdone. So there needs to be some of that. But then then it gets, uh, because of causes and conditions, because of karma or actions, actions, reactions, actions, reactions that get very complicated. And because of uh, another uh, because is a passion, aggression, ignorance. The very nature of relative truth, uh, there's a pushing, there's a pulling, there's uh, alligators. Got it? They think they do. <laughs> there's some kind of uh, self-centeredness. Uh, otherwise, the alligator would would just be vegetarian. So there's some kind of a, because there is a manifestation of uh, ultimate consciousness is downloaded to my way of saying it, which is probably easier to understand, uh, because I don't really know exactly what it is, uh, but it's, it's downloaded in, into this, and there's a, the, apparent, the appearance of a separate person, and then we have, and then we reify it by having a memory of what happened when we were eight years old. But if you go back to that, that, that person is gone. That eight-year-old is gone. But, uh, identity is, uh, is discontinuous. And even, but our body, mind, complex, and our ideas, and our opinions, and our hopes, and our fears tend to hold it together. But you don't really need that. If if you or I or anyone here were raised in a culture that was uh, this is what Trump or anybody I think was trying to do uh, a little clumsily, I would say, uh, was to create an enlightened society, a society where everyone is really concerned about other people's welfare. Uh, not just our own the bodhisattva ideal is to put others before yourself which is really hard to do part of that practice is seeing that you can't do that not not accomplishing it if you accomplish it then that's uh, that's suspicious very suspicious sometimes people who are trying to help others are more about trying to appear as someone who helps others rather than someone who is fundamentally doing that with no with no no gaining idea for themselves I mean, if they, if they it's it's so complete that if they if they get accolades, they don't notice it. They notice, but they know that it's dependently arisen. So there's no no self there to start beaming or, or blushing. It seems like so. Very so. Anything that perceives itself as separate, bacteria, virus, anything. I guess, we mean that. So it, it wants to live. Right. So even even cancer wants to live. It's The very nature of of that is living. It's just that everything is feeding on everything else. Every every body in this room is made of food. You're here because mm-hmm. you've killed a lot of things, or somebody has. It's very it's very simple. And sometimes human beings, because of a, they want to not be, do that, they then they make up stories about how not to be that. And one of them one of the stories that vegetarians have is I don't eat. Uh, who do I talk to about? That? I don't. I don't eat anything that has eyes or has a mother. That's just ridiculous. You know, and I, I use the example which people are probably tired of hearing of how do you think this celery feels when they hear that? Doesn't have eyes or a mother. Or does it? <laughs> baby, baby celeries. Yeah, it has it has the desire to be, the desire to live. So that's what that comes down to, this body-mind complex. Because uh, otherwise there wouldn't be anyone if we didn't do that. It's just that it gets it gets uh, um, uh, emphasized so much. If you look down, there's the carpeting, or if we're outside, it'd be the dirt. And there's that. But then you look up, and you can't find the end of that. I mean, consciousness is everywhere. It doesn't belong to anyone. It just looks like it does. And this is why we tend to spin and fight with ourselves, and 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 have uh, the warfare, internal warfare, out. External warfare. So the idea there is to not to stop producing, but slow the production down of inventing, doing, running around in circles, or whatever we're doing, creating things. Um, slow that down and let the production part come out of the awareness. So this, that way, there's some respect for the world that you're in. And so when you do produce there, you're very, very conscious. You're not setting up standards. You're not following rules. You're very aware of your interface with everything else. Why? Because you've been watching it for a long time. You've been watching the way your conversations go when, you, when you're talking with someone. Be very aware of the sound of your voice. Be very aware of the sound of their voice. Be very aware of uh, someone's like w- watching me you can see my hands are moving. Uh, I can also sit here and not move my hands at all. It's not control. It's not about I'm going to control myself. It's just The awareness will do what it needs to do. As I've said many times, awareness will always find its own form if you're not trying to manipulate yourself into an apparent person that needs to succeed and not fail or get ahead or not look bad. Uh, Toji? What's the relationship between um, giving up control or need to control and receiving? So... uh, Needing to control or giving up control is, uh, uh, has to do with ego, and receiving has to do with uh, awareness. So one is a, an, an endeavor to try to manipulate oneself into being somebody who, is, who doesn't need control. Uh, and just talking about it this way, we can take it a different direction if you want to, but, but receiving, is just there it's, it's, it isn't anything else. You, the, all the nerve endings, Everything is on receive all the time. It's just that we get in the way of that through our thoughts or ideas, our gatekeepers. We have gatekeepers, and in in what uh, the metaphor for that is, uh, or image of that is the seventh consciousness in the Yogacara tradition. There's a, the first five sense fields, and there's a sixth of the, think, the mechanical kind of thinking process that, uh, that ties all the first five sense consciousnesses together and feels like somebody, the same person, having the same taste, smell, touch, seeing, hearing. And then the seventh, which is freaked out and it's protecting or advancing. And then the seventh where uh, all the uh, uh, baloney is stored. What are are we receiving? Everything. Receiving sounds, smells, tastes, touch. Anything that there's a, where there's some kind of a nerve ending. As long as there's a living being, then there's going to be some kind of reception in that area. And so, to do nothing with it, uh, don't don't push it away, don't add to it, don't interpret it. Do nothing with it. And then anything that is coming out of dependent origination, in other words, the the basic intelligence which doesn't belong to anyone, then that will be accommodated. The flower doesn't have to check with another flower to find out how to grow. Am I doing this right? <laughs> <laughs> so you can see what what human beings have what devolved into, along with their incredible the incredible intelligence that we have compared, say, to a flower, or to a tree, to a different kind of intel- intelligence that has a has a kind of autonomy that is uh, that is both extremely powerful and uh, extremely uh, what, maybe dangerous or you know uh, no guarantees in that area. A flower has much more of a chance of actually. Doing what it needs to do, because. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if we're trying to control, we're still in the rapture and dependent co-arising. Yes. How, how does the co-arising shift when we're receiving it and not controlling, or, or does it? Um, yeah. Uh, just. Different. Yeah, it would. It would look. It would depend on the individual, but it would probably look like uh, to the ego mind. It would look like you don't know what the hell you're doing, and you have no security. Recognize (laughs) that. But you're no longer concerned with it. You're no longer concerned with trying to be a person who has their ducks in a row. There aren't any ducks. That's extra. There aren't any ducks. Live, you need to live. When I say you need to, I don't know what you need to do. But if you're sitting here, you probably are interested in hearing this. Otherwise you'd leave. I don't know. They talk about ducks? What does that have to do with it? Huh? <laughs> sometimes, not all the time. So, something occurs, and we, and instead of it just occurring, and just occurring, this occurs, this moves, that moves. We add on, we, we invest, or we divest, or we do. We're always on, on some kind of a level. Uh, this is why, when people begin meditating, sometimes they'll say, report to me, or maybe to someone else. <clears throat> I've been meditating, I feel worse. I feel worse than I've ever felt. This is terrible. I don't, I don't know, I must be meditating wrong. No, you're meditating right. You're just actually looking under the bushel basket that you've been sitting on for the last 38, 28, 58 years, or whatever it may be, hiding out from that parts of your life that you don't like. So, since we're, we are um, uh, discreet or independent human organisms, you can actually stay away from something for a while. Nothing lasts, even the hideouts will be found. And what I'm saying here is let's find it now. Find out who you are now. Why wait till the last three minutes of your life where you suddenly think, should have trained my mind. Should have trained my mind. So let's, let's look there now. And it's like that kind of a, the more we practice, depending on which person, the, the closer we get to seeing what we personally, what I need to see or what you need to see, that someone else doesn't have that issue or problem or the dependent, or rigid, dependent arising has shown up in a completely different way for one person. So, But what is important is if you just hold still, sit down, hold still, and look what moves, as I say, I've said probably thousands of times, uh, then eventually, maybe not the first year, first 10 years maybe, well, what else are you going to do? Do do this. Sit down, hold still, watch what moves, so that eventually the the layers of things. Eventually, if you don't push on it, pull on it, or shut down on it, eventually that which needs to be seen will reveal itself. There's no guarantee. That would be that would be a, a uh, that would be disrespectful to anyone's uh, intelligence. It would not be a spiritual path. It would be merchandising. It would be like, oh, you're really gonna like this house. I guarantee it. Can't can't guarantee anything. Yes. Are desire and illusion the same thing? So no. what was your question? If desire and illusion are the same. Yes. But they're different, but they're the same. So the yeah, del- 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 illusion is, is, un- is unreal. Uh, desire uh, is also unreal, but it's, it certainly seems substantial. We buy into it. It's not about getting rid of the illusion or getting rid of the desire. You don't have to get rid of anything. Why why get rid of anything? You don't have to do that. You don't have to get rid of it. It's important to know where they come from. A little. So we need to look at it a little bit, but don't don't necessarily get magnetized into a rabbit hole. You've heard of Lewis Carroll? Rabbit holes. No. Don't go there. I mean, you can look at it. The rabbits go down. Let them go down. Don't chase anything look look at the situation that you're in rather than look for something else. As I've, I think I gave a talk one time uh, that I called Don't Look Around. That doesn't mean don't. I'd say don't look around. It just means don't necessarily look for something else. Whatever's in front of you is probably going to be enough material for you to work with for the next three months, three weeks, three years. <clears throat> Whatever's arising in your life is uh, if you're You've been training your mind. If you've been sitting down and watching what then is watching what is happening without adding or subtracting or dividing, then you're probably getting warm, getting warmer to to what you need to look at. The karma that you know that you have, or the karma that you have, are different kinds of things. So there's no race to the finish line. There is no finish line. There's, there's nowhere to go, particularly like uh, Kovin's translation of the Heart Sutra. Uh, mantra, gone, gone, gone beyond, gone completely beyond, awake, so be it. And his translation was falling apart, falling apart, falling apart, nothing to do. Same thing. It's just his personal understanding. This is what happened to him when he began to understand what this was. There's nothing to do. And if you were to meet him, you'd see that this person who lived in the middle of nowhere all the time. It was like hugging a feather, unless you ask him a question. Then the feather turned into a sword. At least for me, maybe not for others. I think other people just tickled them. He murdered me. A question from Shoka at the monastery. He asks How does studying sutras help us see who we are? So the sutras are uh, come out of ancient times, and they're uh, ways of of uh, uh, protecting and conveying and supporting and continuing uh, the, the teachings, just like the heart sutra that we, it's a, it's a structure that talks about how uh, it comes back, it takes the insight of what is fundamentally true and brings it into a conceptual, conceptual structure so that you can repeat it. So that your ego mind has something to do besides worry about itself and worry about what people think and what you're going to do with your life and if you're ever going to get enlightened or whatever it may be. So it gives us something else to do with that part of the mind, the sixth, seventh and eighth uh, um, consciousnesses, as it is described in Yogacara tradition. So it's a matter of, and and there it's uh, just like we repeat sitting, sit down. It's never the same. If you chant sutras, especially if you come to the monastery and you do this day after day after day after day, uh, nothing stays the same. They become different. Sometimes when you're you're able to, ch- you find that you're able to chant a very complicated situation or sutra and you can totally daydream at the same time. Is this wrong? No, this is awareness. This is awareness that takes you into the incredible, vast spaciousness of the mind. It's called mahavipassana the great panoramic awareness. And it's not an accomplishment. It's just something you, because you've stopped resisting it, something, you just fall into that open space. And uh, ego mind, if it falls into that open space uh, without a a structure, uh, freak out. When I say structure, the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha, the three jewels are a good structure for giving you some kind of reference points that aren't going to uh, take away your Buddha nature. They're not going to manipulate you, control you, get you to uh, join the army. Is everything aware, like AI? So, uh, everything, consciousness is not separate from anything. This this is consciousness. It just manifests us in different ways. Everything is consciousness, but we're not. We're not trying to shove you into some kind of feeling that wood thinks, uh, but it probably does. Some some wood thinks uh, really kind thoughts, and some wood uh, probably some bad thoughts. <clears throat> I mean, otherwise, why would pine cones look like that? How is chanting the sutra different from gazing at a mandala? Yeah, so uh, gazing at a, it's, it has a similar uh, quality, but looking at a mandala is a, it has to do with a, a symmetrical structure that has representations. Usually there's four gates, and there's a, in uh, the Tibetan tradition, there's a, a different uh, deities that are there. Different colors: uh, green, yellow, red, blue, white in the center, usually. Or the blue, uh, the blue and the and the white are changed out uh, in some way, depending on uh, uh, what the practice is. I think it's called a yantra. Do you do that practice? You know about it? Um, you're asking about it, so you probably um, no, not really, but I'm yeah. fascinated by it. Yeah. So it's a it's a little bit of a hypnotic thing that's happening. But the way uh, the way I uh, have practiced that is not with the physical. Mandala, but with an uh, internal mandala that is created with the mind uh, to look at it with the mind. So, and then that is accompanied, uh, that mandala is accompanied with a mantra, that, and the mantra uh, can, can uh, be related to different aspects of the mandala, uh, the mandala uh, through uh, seed syllables and so on. So, it's just a way of gathering up the self centered mind that wants to do this and that, like this, doesn't like that. This totally at the mercy of passion, aggression, ignorance, hope, and fear. And putting it in a, a mental uh, construct or container that is that is accessed through visualization. So when we or maybe like a like a, a labyrinth. Maybe? Yes. Yeah. It's a, f- a form of labyrinth. Yeah. You're talking about the physical labyrinth mm-hmm. you walk around. Or a visual one. Or a visual one. Yeah. Yeah. Like. yeah we're all doing that all the time. And some some level well, the labyrinth of ego. How can I get this to work for me? How can I get her to not stop doing that? How can I get him to give me that labyrinth? I wanted to go back to your when you made the comment about um, chanting a sutra, and so you're totally chanting the sutra and that your mind is somewhere else. You said that is awareness? Yes, it is. You're aware of what your mind's doing. So the awareness uh, is laminated to thought patterns for most people in the world. Most people that are going to work, coming home, have a family, are doing this, doing that, whatever, mowing the lawn and have no spiritual path. Even if they have one, if it depends on how that spiritual path is set up, some spiritual paths are set up to just protect the person, just to make them feel protected. And some spiritual paths are are set up in such a way that uh, you are being led into uh, ultimate reality. And not for everyone. So when you're chanting and 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 you notice that you're daydreaming at the same time, you're chanting, you're daydreaming, and you're also judging the way someone else chants. It's not familiar? (laughs) So that's awareness. Don't stop that. Don't validate that. Do nothing with it. Uh, What it is is the awareness of forms arising rather than wrong forms, right forms, good forms, bad forms. It's awareness of whatever. This is how, we, this is how compassion begins. That by fundamentally allowing everything to be what it is. The other um, uh, commonly misunderstood word is appreciation. You look at paintings, uh, the way you appreciate a painting is you receive everything that's there. You don't produce any judgment of it. If you do that, you're actually stopping what is happening. And you're trying to manipulate your world and get your way and be the important person who knows about art. How do I I know that? I know about art. (laughs) Uh, I'm just wondering about um, the opposite of having your mind wandering and stuff like that. I mean, what about it? Is there inherent value? It seems like there's uh, inherent value about focus. What's the question? Give me a minute. we can have a conversation later, but I can't have conversations in this position or then I can't teach. I start to shut out. What is, the, um, is there a greater value in focus? No. Focus is ignorance. I'll, I'll show you. I'm looking at her right now. I'm ignoring her. In fact, I'm ignoring everyone. And the way I, I can ignore you if I start to focus on that, especially if the focus, the motivation for the focus is to try to get better, and get control, be more mindful, be more awake, be not, be, be better, be be gooder. And motivation is very important. Look at the motivation and that will give you an idea. But you can't see the motivation if it's clogged up with a, judgments of yourself. We have to have to be willing to be a, a fool, be willing to be a loser. This is not nihilism. This is reality. Nihilism is something that uh, people who are caught by relative truth and think that there's a right and a wrong, not that there isn't painful and not painful or painful and pleasurable, but they're tied together. They're intimately tied together. So we need to see the, as they say, the big picture. So I'm just saying that when someone's chanting the sutras, you, you notice that the more you do this, the more all kinds of thought patterns come in because you have such a strong backbone, to your awareness, which is created by the sutra. I and mean, you, know, you can say, well, couldn't you do that with, uh, by saying uh, some something meaningless? You're doing something that it wasn't a sutra. Well, pretty meaningless after a while, even though it means uh, uh, the jewel and the lotus, even though it's a, uh, Spiritual meaning is is there to begin with, but once you begin to chant it, it's just it's just a uh, uh, formless. So you see what I'm saying? now? okay. So it's it's always about awareness. It's not about what arises in the awareness, unless it is. Sorry, but that's that is how it is. I, I can't speak relatively without pointing uh, at that which uh, is not substantiated or reified by a relative situation. <clears throat> this is temporary. I remember it last hundred years, thousands of years, it's temporary. You, and this is, and don't believe a word I say, you've been here thousands, maybe millions of times, this consciousness that keeps coming, and going, coming, and going. And it's not a person. Chocolate, chuckle. Do you find that Awareness is compassionate always. But after, well, it, but it depends on what your understanding of compassion is. The best way that compassion or that awareness of compassion is doesn't meddle with anything. It's on receive. It's not on produce. Receive, 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 receive. It's not producing love. Love is not something you do. It's something you are. So. You may feel lovable. You may not feel lovable. But it's not something you do. The doing kind of love—that's a, a lower level of it, closer tied into a desire and lust and wanting your way and considering that something you love is something you own. Difficult area. But compassion is. There's no compassionator. No one. May, no one invents compassion. Compassion doesn't belong to anyone. Just like uh, awareness doesn't is not a. That's not ownership. Or? That's compassion. Ishikai. <laughs> Should we be <clears throat> intentional about what we produce? <clears throat> A little bit. I think uh, if you're if you're receiving, if you're spending some time just being on the receiving end of everything, then uh, then the the production part will come out of your of your of your awareness rather than out of some kind of agenda about something. Now the 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 awareness may be may have an agenda in it, but it may not be some kind of focus about what you personally want to get done or to do. Maybe some. So that's why it's so difficult because we can't find a reference point there. And it seems to be moving from one color to another color, to one texture to another color. It's constantly uh, moving. Uh, so there could be some intention. Just like the uh, receiving jukai, or, or as they say, taking vows. I take refuge in the Buddha, refuge in the Dharma, refuge in the Sangha. I vow to be good. I vow not to do harm. I vow to be with all things. I vow to save all beings. I vow to put others before myself. I vow not to kill. I vow not to steal. I vow not to uh, tell lies and on down through all of I can't remember. I'm sure you can, though. So, more specific question, if you have it. Uh, I guess it comes out of, like, observing thoughts that come out of nowhere versus thoughts that seemingly come from myself, like the desire to sit Mm -hmm. or something like that. So I'm just trying to get a better understanding of the difference. So, the the way that I talk about that in order to kind of address that as well as I can without meddling with you or with anyone else or getting into your space or getting into the area that you need to experience, it's not about getting in and making you do something this way or that way. But I would say don't do anything unless you have to. So in that way, that that actually it's another way of saying be patient. You know, just Just watch. Just watch what's happening rather than saying, rather than lecturing yourself or warrant or having little red flags, i to get in there and do something because this is gonna last. My opportunity is going away. Kind of a merchandising mentality, business model. Uh, and it's a uh, it's spiritual materialism is the way and Rinpoche talked about it. <coughs> uh, on the other hand, and on the same hand, it's like seeing what it is. And if you see clearly what it is, then, then you're, there's no, you don't make any choices you just you just function this way, and someone else might say, "Well, when did you decide to do that?" You probably would say, "I don't." Know. You know, they could, you know, grab you by the, the lapels and say, "Come on, when did you decide to do that?" You could say, "I don't know," and then poke them. So I understand where, you're, where your where your uh, question is coming from, and I would say. Uh, just settle back into the awareness and uh, and watch what happens. It's uh, don't do anything unless you have to. But if, if you have to, then it, it will be it won't be like so much like a decision. It'll be more like just just have to do this. You might not even have a clear understanding of what it's about uh, because the causes and conditions are not that are tributary streams flowing in the darkness. You actually are starting to be genuine instead of being a know it all, which I knew you had trouble with. Yes. uh so Corinne, down at the monastery has a question. She asks, is focus a creation? I think there's a anytime we go towards something and scrutinize it or look at it and I think there's, there's some kind of creation happening there. We're probably adding on to what we're looking at. There's probably some kind of a handle or some kind of a uh, reference point that is being uh, created from uh, the imputation or from our own uh, po- possibly even poverty mentality or through our self-centeredness or our pride. Uh, we might be focusing on something to, in order to cover it up. We might be focusing on something to get it to go away. We might be focusing on something to be able to understand more why that is happening. Why questions are circular. So if you go in there, because the ego mind wants to know why, you know why it wants to know why? I'll tell you why it wants to know why. <laughs> why? Yeah. <laughs> it wants to know why because that's where it gets its nourishment from. The self centered, and it gets fuel from saying why, and then a little trail of, uh, um, trail of explanations and ideas and, and relative uh, constructs and analyses and uh, opinions. And these are. These are either uh, fairly low level and kind of mundane and kind of uh, kind of homely or ordinary, or if the person is uh, really has a powerful intellect, they can be they can be so uh, so uh, finely tuned and shaped and everything that we can all be kind of astounded by that. Usually, those people become philosophers. Go read David Hume. Go read uh, uh, go read Meister Eckhart. Uh, go read. Go read. Go read. You know, go on YouTube and, and go on to, who really knows? <laughs> and there are all kinds of people who go for it. And they'll be, some will be really smart and some will be just really cute. And some will, and some will, yeah, you know what I'm saying. I'm saying there's there's information everywhere about everything. And I would say, look here, you have, you have this, you have your own, you have your own uh, Google right here. Nothing's gonna show up here that you don't need to know about just you sit down and what is this? What is this? Put that in Google and see what happens. What is this? <laughs> Get out your credit card. <laughs> it's going to pull you into whatever it's in. You talk about um, I don't know exactly how you say it, some paraphrasing, but the, the best or most important thing that you can give someone is your attention. So what is the imp- Important part about that attention, like you're not ignoring things, so it's not focus. Um, is it to let that person just to let that person know that they have? It's not about the person; it's about you. Like I'm watching you. You just put your hands down. I listen to what you said, but if there's any other movement in the room, not because I'm such a magical being. It's just that I don't miss much. I don't, and I'm not focused on you. I'm looking at you. I'm listening to you. But anything else that moves or any other sounds is also included. So it's a big view of everything. And so there's no. And and one of the reasons uh, to have a why question that that can occur is nothing. I, I don't. I'm not concerned about the outcome, outcome of something. I'm concerned about what this is. And what, uh, what it is, is not separate. So you, so you can't, uh, there, there's no longer another person. It's not that you're not there, of course you're there. And there's a tremendous respect, just natural understanding and natural appreciation of boundaries of every kind of boundary, including someone's confusion. I say, I've said this quite often, be really respectful of people's confusion. And how do you do that? You, you listen to it, you listen. You might, you know, you might even say, "How are you doing?" And then, rather than when they respond to you, come up with some kind of solution for them. Just without interrogating them particularly, but share their space, share, you know, be with them. Just being with someone, looking in someone's eyes, and being present is pretty powerful. Anybody who's a counselor knows that. Just be present. Just your presence, because we're not separate. Just your stability, your presence, your ability to sit here and not have a clue. That's an add-on. Actually, feeling of not having a clue isn't a statement. I don't have a clue. The feeling of not having a clue is space. But it's experienced as I don't have a clue. If the ego mind comes in and comments on it, you can just be present. You don't have to have any idea about what's going to happen next. It's called this moment. And there isn't, There is no. there is no other moment. It's always this moment. Bless. Bless your scrugs. <laughs> well, I was trying to find what my question was, and you answered it, but the answer was kind of, it was like, in my mind, I was imagining what you're describing and trying to find out if there's something I should be doing differently. But No. You're doing exactly what you need to do. Keep doing that. If you're in this room, you're probably doing exactly what you need to do. It just may not look like it. <laughs> All those hands at once. Okay. Now, class. Take turns. <laughs> Do we respect our own confusion in the same way we endeavor to respect others? Yeah. Yeah, be, be crazy. Be, let, your, let your confusion manipulate your mind. Because you, what happens is the self-centered part, the ego tries to hide out or justify or, or blame someone else for what's happening. Even if somebody actually mistreats you, don't blame them. Because that just reestablishes, reifies and supports the, the relative situation. They, they probably did hurt you or harm you or cause you to have difficulty. But I, mean, I uh, like I was doing with my parents until I began to understand what was happening there. So. They did really good. When I look back at it, they they did really well, considering what they were dealing with. I'm still alive. (laughs) So, And they're operating out of their confusion, out of dependent origination, and out of their extreme self-centeredness. They don't even know about ego. Just like they they drank a lot, and they thought alcoholics were people who fell over. No, alcoholics are people who drink a lot. (laughs) So they didn't think they were alcoholics. Laura? Laura? Um, I uh, have been listening to your YouTube talks frequently, and in in several of them, you mentioned, uh, and I'm paraphrasing here too, uh, as you you move along the path, you will get to a point where you never have to make another decision. And I I wonder if you could say more about that. So the, making decisions looks a lot like about success and failure are correct and incorrect. And uh, usually the, the kind of even low-level paranoia of the ego uh, is not patient. There's no, there's no, it doesn't want to wait for anything in it because there's a desire or, or there's a fear or there's uh, some kind of something that's going to go wrong if I don't get in there and take care of that, and I, I better decide on that. Or what if that... This, what if that happens i know how to do this now so it's uh, it's a belief, a belief that something is threatened that we need to to do that so when someone is no longer threatened and uh, no longer lives in a, an imaginary past or a, a imaginary future uh, it's not that they're ignoring that we just know that it's unreal and then one is uh, uh always uh, i don't use this too much but always just, you're always just right here so there isn't anything else for so therefore, there's nothing. This is not leading to something else. It may relatively may do that, but the consciousness is not going anywhere. So you may just notice that you you don't jump to conclusions. You, you don't even jump to inclusions. You don't do anything. But if you're going to do something, then include. So uh, the discursive thought or worry comes out. Just include it. So I'm not saying you don't you're not so far uh, out of uh, touch with everything that you 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 start walking towards the door and you you, you don't make any decisions so therefore you walk through the window because you can't decide on it because you don't I'm not saying it's that it, it is in concert or in re- relative to the the world you're no longer separate from this. Uh, one time uh, Trump Rimbache was asked uh, um, by somebody who was just concerned with his health Rinpoche, why do you but you eat all that junk food. He went through phases where he'd eat this and then he'd eat that for a while. And then he'd eat just junk food. And then he'd eat just uh, uh, animal body organs. I mean, it, was a, it was an outlandish thing that he was doing. Nobody could understand what that was about. I still don't understand. But somebody said, You're eating. He was in a stage where he was apparently eating junk food. And somebody said, How can you do that to your body? How can you do that? He said, The whole world is my body. So coming from Coming from him, something about that was uh, uh, quite moving and powerful. It didn't validate what he was doing. It didn't say, you guys should go just eat junk food too. But something about the, the nature of his presence was so overwhelming and so powerful that you, you, as soon as he said that, you, you understood what, what what he was doing and you no longer necessarily uh, that's, That That's the answer I needed to hear. So... <clears throat> It's 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 difficult to explain that in such a way that we can oh we can oh well we can make that a, a rule or a, a, some kind of protocol. It's the whole idea of looking at, looking at decisions. You'll see that you're always weighing this against that, and when you stop doing that, uh, then whatever you need to do, it's like the it's like the trees hand it to you. This is where you go. This is what you do. This is you don't do this, and uh, the the consciousness. Uh, uh, one may even be perplexed by what's happening. Uh, you might—it might be some kind of a side note or a post-it note that says, "That's interesting," and it looks like I'm doing this. Maybe something like that, but even that—not often. Is that helpful? Yeah. Okay. Gary. Earlier, you said that uh, hearing is transmuted into wisdom. I did. Yeah, that was quite a ways back. Years? Good, two. two years? Two years ago. Earlier okay. In the talk today, you said that. Oh, I'm just sort of curious. What, what does that mean? I don't know. What did I say? Oh, I think you said uh, feeling, speech, vision can be transmuted into wisdom. Yeah, when, when you don't see anything else. So you, if you look at everything that looks like otherness, other, other, it became one of the teachings uh, uh, in uh, the third turning uh, teachings of the Buddha is empty of other. And there's lots of ways of describing that, but my understanding of when I heard it, my understanding of it was, of course, there isn't anything else. But it's not necessarily laid out that way in the sutras, at least the ones that I've read and I've read them, but I haven't read them all. I'm going to make Chaz do that. <laughs> so I don't have to do it. Just like I'm, I'm making, uh, what was your name again? <laughs> Tiger Mountain. I'm making her read the, all the translations of the Lotus Sutra that are available. Ratsa Rock. <laughs> what? What she do wrong? Yeah, what she do wrong? What she do right? Yeah. She's very lucky that there are such a thing as sutras, especially the Lotus Sutra just not uh, not easy to uh, memorize. You'd <laughs> 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 like to memorize. Maybe memorize half of it. <laughs> Bhaskar memorized uh, the 30 verses in Sanskrit. Huh? There is. I guess you have studied it then morning 30. Yes. Um, Andrew uh, down at the monastery has a question. He asks, why does it look like we aren't doing what we need to? <clears throat> so I, I think it's just that the, our self-centered, our identity is, is, uh, has a, has a a quality uh, depend on, dependent on, on karma and who knows all the different things that come up, the way we're raised, uh, our, our parents, uh, the past lives, or however you want to bring things together to say, uh, this causes this, causes that, causes this, causes that, and then that happens and this happens, and it's just so complicated. But to come down and say, uh, specifically answer the questions, it's because we think there's somebody that's incorrect or we think there's somebody that is threatened or somebody that needs to be somebody else. Something else, something else. When actually you're what what is true is you're looking at it. It's just not something else. So this is why it's so important to uh, uh, train our minds. I mean, even outside of Buddhism, Buddhism is just a really powerful ancient way of structure for us to do this because of the Buddha. He walked out of his uh, uh, kingdom uh, as a prince, and who knows what kind of karma came before and went into the forest for six years and and, uh, and awoke and shared that shared that understanding with others so here we are. Should we do something else? Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.